talking about. Film's the greatest educational medium the world has ever known. Hi guys, and welcome back to Teenage Golden Age, a podcast where we talk about old Hollywood movies from the perspective of the next generation. Today, we're going to talk about Katherine Hepburn and two of her films, Adam's Rib and Woman of the Year, and how her films really changed and challenged sexism and the way, way women were role-casted as. Before we start, please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really helps grow our audience and helps show old movies to even more teenagers. Additionally, make sure to check out our Instagram and TikTok at Teenage Golden Age where we share movie clips, pictures, and reminders about when new episodes come out. Katherine Hepburn was born on May 12, 1907 in Connecticut, and her mother fought for women's rights, which really impacted her in her later career, as we've seen in these films that we're going to talk about. And she went to college, which is really, really cool, because women back then really didn't go to college very often. Um, and so for her to go to college is literally incredible. And Catherine there discovered her love for acting and theater. And after graduating, she pursued a Broadway and stage acting career. And her Broadway roles led her to make her film debut in a bill of divorcement from 1932 with George Cukor, which was an instant success. And Catherine was pinned as one of the brightest new stars. In the early 30s, she also starred in Christopher Strong from 1933, Little Woman from 19 from 1933 and morning glory also from 1933 which she won best actress for her reputation started to become more and more troubling throughout the 30s after starting in a lot of flop movies and broadway shows and she just got bad press and rko tried to get her status back up by pairing her with famous stars of that time like ginger rogers in a stage door from 1937 and again in 1938 with bringing up baby uh, with Cary Grant and but it didn't work and she was famously labeled as box office poison with, with this Catherine bought out her RKO contract and decided to star in Philip Berry's play The Philadelphia Story on Broadway which was a sensation she was able to secure the film rights and decided who she wanted the director and cast to be which is frankly amazing for the current state of woman in power in the 40s and she ended up starring in the philadelphia story from 1940 which was also a sensation and one of the biggest movies of the year starting starring james stewart and Cary grant alongside herself and i actually think the casting for that film was one of my favorites she just did i mean the people she picked i think were incredible and i think Cary grant and james stewart both of their characters really just i think they play like characters that really fit their personalities so i love that then her first pairing with spencer tracy came in 1942 with women of the year and the tracy slash hepburn pairing was used through nine films and throughout the 50s Catherine also had roles in summertime the african queen and pat and mike and a death set with Spencer. Even later into her career, Catherine was a winner, winning her final Best Actress Oscar at age 60 for The Lion in Winter from 1968. And Catherine continued her acting career through the 80s, retiring in the early 90s to write her book simply titled Me. And Catherine sadly died in 2003. Spencer Tracy was Katherine Hepburn's leading man in both of these films, um, the two films that we're talking about, Woman of the Year and Adam's Rib, 
And I thought it was really cool that he was open to doing these roles where Catherine was going to be the superior to him. And I think actors back then wanted to be like the superior and the lead in all the films they did. And it's really incredible that he kind of is, he kind of fights that toxic masculinity and traditional roles that men were played back then. And fine, yeah, I feel like there's even more films in old Hollywood that star men than women. So I thought it was cool. Just a little background on Spencer Tracy. Spencer Tracy was born in 1900 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he moved to New York and pursued an acting career while also working side jobs. He was finally discovered after performing in a lead role in The Last Mile and signed on for William Fox's production of Up the River from 1930. He was able to shine when he finally got signed with MGM and starred in roles like Captain Courageous from 1937, Father of the Bride, one of my favorites from 1949, Boys Town from 1938, and so many other films. I think his films with Catherine Hepburn were his best works, and San Francisco was also really good, I think. He ultimately starred, started working with Hepburn on Woman of the Year in 1942, and the pair made nine movies together from the 40s to late 60s. I already mentioned that. Let's dive into Woman of the Year, and we're going to get into the summary just in case you guys haven't watched it, but I do highly recommend watching it before um, that we talk about before we talk about it, just because I think it's nice to, you know, have watched it, so it's just better for context, and yeah. For summary, Tess Harding, played by Katherine Hepburn, is a progressively-minded political journalist. Sam Craig is a sports writer with very traditional values. The only thing the two have in common is that they both work for the same New York City newspaper. And despite an initial and mutual dislike, the two eventually fall in love and get married. When Tess wins the Woman of the Year award, traditional gender roles become flipped and their relationship suffers as a result. I, uh... Are you always much too busy? What for? Uh, I was wondering about this afternoon. Sorry. Um, uh, tomorrow afternoon? What's on your mind? I'd like to take you to a baseball game. Okay. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. These films aren't the like the most progressive. You know, I don't think these films, you know, there are parts of it that really, you know, are iffy today. You know, like I wouldn't. I mean, it's definitely not as progressive as we have today, but I think it definitely fought the stere the woman stereotype and just like the gender roles back then. And so I think just that little bit of change was really cool to see in an old film because I was really surprised that there was films like this that actually talked about women's rights because, you know, with the Hays Code and everything, I'm, I wasn't sure that I would see that in a film. I think this film shows women who are in power, but I also think it illustrates men's views on powerful women and how they treat women overall. I don't know if this film was intentionally supposed to conveys, convey men's toxicity, but it definitely way, there's definitely waves of it in the film. Take the beginning, for example, when the newspaper men are listening to Katherine Hepburn's character, Tess Harding, on the radio in a bar. And just by the way they talk about her, do we kind of see them thinking... Um, her ideas are not worthy because she's a woman. Setting aside these ideas of the film, I love how strong of a figure Katherine Hepburn's character is in the film. There is one scene where Tess Harding's character is having a party with a bunch of people from different countries, and she just starts speaking like seven languages with Sam Craig, Spencer Tracy's character, only knowing English. 
Also throughout the film, we see Catherine's character giving gifts and asking Sam out on dates, which is definitely a reverse of how society thinks it's supposed to be, where kind of like the man does all of the giving and asking. I think Sam feels embarrassed that Tess is almost the kind of, you know, quote unquote man in the relationship by the way she by the way, he puts her gifts in a drawer and lies about her gifts when the men in his office ask about it. Tess Harding lights her own cigarette, Sam cooks her eggs, and the fact that she can't cook just makes her a woman who has stepped out of the stereotype. Additionally, the whole fact that Sam is under Tess in the newspaper company they both work for is revolutionary within itself. Isn't the sports department downstairs? Uh, well, uh, yes, yes, I guess it is, but I... Uh, then aren't you going in the wrong direction? Uh, well, maybe I am. Now, unlike today, most women were obligated to stay at their house and cook and clean while the mail provided. If they worked, they usually worked as secretaries and other jobs that were more at the at lower levels. Everyone in high positions back then were mostly white males, which is so sad. And Tess is definitely the busy one in the relationship, and Sam kind of has to plan his time around hers. And one of my favorite scenes in this picture is when Sam is going to pick up Tess from a conference, and he thinks it's just like a little gathering of like some people just having a meeting, and he walks onto this big stage only to see that... Um, Tess is talking on a podium in front of a huge audience and also by the way her speech in that scene is really cool but I think it's kind of like blurred out because the camera kind of focuses focuses on Sam. Adam's rib. For a summary, a courtroom rivalry finds its way into the household when prosecuting lawyer Adam, played by Spencer Tracy, faces off against his wife, Amanda, played by Katherine Hepburn, who happens to be a defense attorney. Working on opposite sides of a lawsuit where a woman, played by Judy Holliday, love her, has shot her cheating husband. Adam and Amanda are both determined to win the case, and their home becomes a setting for comical showdowns with neither spouse willing to relent. I really loved how in this film, Adam and Amanda are both of equal working status, and just the fact that she is a lawyer in this film is just really cool. She kind of has the same doesn't give a F character, and she holds her head high even though she's amongst male toxicity. This picture explores the different standards society has on women and men, and when a guy cheats, it is whatever, but when a woman cheats, it's inconceivable. The court case that Amanda and Adam... Um, Spencer Tracy's character fight against each other in it is less about what Doris the girl who shot her husband did but more about giving equal privileges to women in a court case all I'm trying to say is that there are lots of things that a man can do and in society's eyes it's all hunky-dory a woman does the same thing the same mind you and she's an outcast finished no now, I'm not blaming you personally, Adam, because this is so. Oh, well, that's awfully large of you. No, I no, it's not you... your fault. All I'm saying is, why let this deplorable system seep into our courts of law where women are supposed to be equal? If the situation was the other way around, where the man caught the woman cheating and shot it, it would be held to a different standard and the woman would be blamed. Um, this is definitely more true back then. I wouldn't say now, really. I, yeah, I wouldn't say now, but this film kind of shows, like, I mean, they even explore, like, you know, the, um, like, the Amanda asks her husband, oh, if a man did this, would you hold them to the same standards? And he was like, no. 
So that's just interesting that they talk about that. And as Amanda says in the film, we don't want advantages and we don't want privileges. And she really is a voice for women because we all just want equality. <laughs> okay, that's like, I feel like I'm being a little bit like, I don't know, not cheesy, but I don't know. Her final speech to the jury just really is revolutionary for that time, especially. And this film really exposes people's like kind of natural instinct to be sexist and stereotype women. An example of this is in the beginning of the film the, um, when Catherine Hepburn pulls over on the farthest lane and almost crashes into this guy. He says, you lady driver. I mean, she was driving a bit crazy, but stereotyping about how all women drivers can't drive is a little sexist. This film additionally exposes how men and women both have this stereotypical ideas of what a woman is allowed to do and not do. When Doris... I mean, Dory says that it is not feminine to smoke. That says that women must be feminine and anything that isn't quote-unquote feminine, one shouldn't do. Adam's rib additionally illustrates how hard it is to change people's sexist beliefs. And Amanda also deals with toxic masculinity in her relationship as well as her job. But we do see Amanda respond to it when Adam hits her and she proceeds to hit him right back. There's no room in marriage for what used to be known as the little woman. She's got to be as big as the man is. One of my favorite scenes in this picture is when Katherine Hepburn's character brings in a bunch of women to be on the jury. And they all hold high positions in their jobs and have accomplished some incredible things. And I tell you the reaction of the judge when he hears everything this girl, these girls have accomplished. Um, it's just like, wow. And... It is kind of like the definition of how like people saw women in power back then. I ask you for a verdict of not guilty. There was no murder attempt here. Only a pathetic attempt to save a home. Just to sum it up, by no means are these movies like... They don't hold up to our standards today for sexism, but I think they were just trying a little bit. And I think that was cool that Catherine Hepburn, you know, really wanted to create these films about sexism and about women in power. And I just, I love that. And I thought she was a really, really powerful woman. You know, she, I mean, she was incredible, incredible, incredible. I really, really love her. And yes, no, she's not related to Audrey Hepburn. A lot of people think that they just had the same last name. And when I first watched Adam's Rib, I was happy to see some women in power and a film that really talked about how women were treated back then. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And unfortunately, I could not find these films for free, um, but I am starting to find more films for free. But you guys can also rent or buy these films on iTunes, Prime Video, YouTube, and really any streaming platform. Also, again, go follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Teenage Golden Age. And if you have any questions or comments about this episode, or any episode we do, or about just in general about the podcast, email us at TeenageGoldenAge at gmail.com. That's TeenageGoldenAge at gmail.com. See you guys in our next episode. Bye!